welcome to Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. Um, this is a different show because unlike most shows about gadgets, we don't talk about all that new shiny, shiny stuff to buy. We focus on this value and the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. And our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Janet. I'm from the Restart Project. I'll be your host, and I'm joined by Ugo. Hello. Um, yeah, we've been doing these shows for quite a while now, but it's been a while since we've been here together. So it's fun. Um, in this episode, we're planning on talking about some recent European uh, regulations affecting what's called our right to repair. Um, and we'll explain what that is, and we'll talk about its impact on the work of independent repairers and repair businesses, um, and there are many here in London. Um, and we recently had a chat with Steve the Spin Doctor, a longtime professional repairer of appliances based in London, and he's really, well, he's unique in that he likes to share quite a bit on social media, which is cool, so we see his repairs on Instagram and um, um, you know his commentary about the way things are made so he's very expressive um, and we'll be we'll be playing like a quite a long uh, well about a 15 minute uh, excerpt of a debrief that Ugo had with Steve um, looking at mm -hmm. specific details of the regulations and what he thinks of them. Yeah, because we, I mean, obviously we're, we help people in communities with small things that they can bring to our events, but we don't necessarily deal with um, washing machines and these big appliances. And so we didn't, we didn't have an extremely lucid kind of professional, um, you know, the low down until we went and talked to Steve. And if you think it's very geeky and very specialist, hold on, because he has some useful tips for every one of us with a dishwasher or a washing machine at home. Yeah, and everyone has a moment when an appliance fails and it's kind of like, you know, it is <laughs> um, traumatic. Um, so it's relevant to us all um, how long these things last and whether they can be repaired. Um, but first, we're going to talk a, lot of, a little bit about some tech news. And I'm going to talk a little bit about a very satisfying commercial repair experience I had where I fixed my um, seven-year-old um, Apple laptop. Um, but to start, it seemed like, Ugo, we heard... From Davos, I mean, we don't, it's like we kind of listen to Davos and the World Economic Forum, but this year I personally found it very, like, more irritating than any year prior, just the kind of the usual lip service to poverty and I don't know what and the environment. Um, I did enjoy seeing Greta Thunberg take her trip to, to Davos and sleep in a tent and everything. We had Greta, but we also had David Attenborough. So quite an interesting mix yeah. of people there. But Davos seemed to discover the e-waste mountain this year. What it's, a surprise. Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, there's um, 50 million tons of e-waste being discarded every year. The UN has been talking about this for uh, decades. Um, I guess it's a good thing that... The people of Davos have discovered this problem. Um, they, 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 they published like a kind of really hand-wringing report that brought together a couple of different UN agencies commenting on it and saying that there would be an interagency kind of task force. But I personally found the report slightly uh, just like exasperating because they, they suggest all the kind of system level changes that need to happen. But in this extremely generic terms don't break it down to what needs to happen in Europe what you know potentially like you know innovative I don't know governments around the world could do to actually push the needle in concrete policy terms 
So I just, I kind of found it like, it's a good summary if you want to catch up and you realized, oh, I never thought about the fact that we throw away so many things with batteries and plugs. But for the rest of us who've kind of been a little bit concerned with it and waste. Well, I guess it's, it's a good sign that Davos talks about this. Maybe that they care about the element that previously didn't. But yeah, for us, it's not really groundbreaking news. Yeah, and, in, and if anything, like I, I, I was looking for reference to precisely the the citizen-driven measures to ensure our right to repair in the U.S. Um, some of the work that's going on at, the, at you know concrete policy processes that are occurring in Europe, and I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't see, I didn't see it. I there were some cool infographics. Yeah. True, but if you think about it, mm -hmm. it's not very different from. Uh, Defra's waste strategy, which has some great ideas, but then it's wonderful uh, directions, but without any practical kind of roadmap. How to is that going to work? Yeah. So it's let's see. I guess it's frustrating, but on the other on the other hand, um, we've seen how well the the global kind of outrage about plastic has has led to actual concrete policy changes and measures. Probably not fast enough for us, but it has led to something. So there's that. Um, and then I don't really want to talk about, honestly, Apple saying that they're not making money off of iPhones because people are repairing and replacing their batteries. Well, they're probably I mean, making a lot more money than they're ready to admit repairing phones for people. Yeah. So. so, and what I want to talk about, though, is a really satisfying moment I had um, repairing the um, MacBook Air in front of me, um, which, okay, it's not the most repairable computer in the world, but it, they've, they've subsequently gotten worse. Um, it's about six or seven years old and one of those terrible moments, and I still have yet to cover it with a silicon cover on top of the keyboard, but I was in the kitchen, I was having a blueberry smoothie, I just I gesticulated wildly for some reason, and it, all of a sudden it was on my keyboard. And you know, in those moments, like you don't think rationally, right? You're like, unplug, unplug, you know, ah, tip it upside down. Blah. I didn't turn it off quick enough. Like I, you know, I should have known, but I just didn't. Um, I was busy, all of a sudden, concerned with like, how do I unplug the battery? Oh yeah, I can't because I don't have a pentalobe screwdriver around. Right. So anyway, I was already like a step ahead of where I should have been. So um, I took it to a business that's listed in our repair directory. So if you go to our website, therestartproject.org, we've been kind of it's it's kind of like a concept in progress, but we've been trying to map commercial repair businesses across London. Yeah, and we have a, a directory with just over 100 businesses which we deem to be reliable because they have good online reviews, clear terms for their warranty, and a physical shop where you can go and if you have a problem with the repair, you can go back to as opposed to yeah. hoping that someone will listen to you on the internet. Yeah, and um, I, I, most of these shops, I hope, have some kind of warranty terms. So the one that I ended up um, going to did. Um, it's really a really educational experience. So um, um, it was great shop in Swiss Cottage. Um, you can find it on our repair directory. Um, to say that the, most of their work is precisely this kind of thing. So what I found going in is that they're not actually that oriented towards the kind of the person off the street. Um, but I didn't quite realize that when I went in because I saw a lot of packages coming and going. And I was thinking, wait a minute, are they sending out the jobs or are jobs getting sent to them? And, you know, you kind of want to know that. Way. Right. Yeah. So but I quickly figured out that these guys are crack at what they do. They're amazing. Um, and they basically... Um, they're really good at diagnosing logic boards, but also taking out broken components of kind of end-of-life machines. Basically, they have a, a 
they're scavenging components off of old machines and they know how to replace them, diagnose them quickly, replace them. And they had like a very, um, you know, a very, uh, I thought, see, like pay, like a scale for what, for what, you know, the repair would cost. I felt like it was fair. Um, and yeah, I, I got it repaired for what I thought was an afford, a really affordable price, considering that the replacement logic board is like game over. It's like yep. 250 quid and on a machine this age. So they did that. They did the repair for half the price. And what it had me reflecting on a little bit is that, you know, Apple is famous for with um, with re- when in the agreements they make with recyclers is for forcing recyclers to shred, to destroy functioning or equipment no components can be reused or taken out of a board not at all nothing so it it gets shredded for the raw materials it's like you know the moment it reaches a recycler it's like end of life but in fact this is what saved my machine it's like that there are people who are skilled enough there is a business model for them to keep a shop open in london um and to to i mean obviously they're really skilled at what they do but there is a business model for this kind of level of repair on a 6 or 7 year old machine which apple itself deems as a, what do they call them vintage? vintage vintage yeah and if you think about it it's precisely that we've been talking about you know making the most of the things we have and in an ideal world we think that all repairs should be based on that assumption that you'll reuse everything that's not gone bad and yet this is a rare case when it really happens so we should champion it i wouldn't say well i don't know how rare it is so that's the other thing i kind of i I feel like i've i've seen something that didn't like i it's like this whole new possible world has opened up to me that and and the other thing i realized is that many businesses um so many people send him work and some people really appreciate having a local person a person that they know is honest that will send it to the best person, but is their local support. And so there's also a role for the middleman, the the business who sends their work to the shop, I think. Yeah, so if you're not in Swiss Cottage or you're somewhere else, but you can trust that your local person would know who to send it to in this case. Yeah, so not everyone has the time to go to the shop and check them out and say, oh, see how the business works and see that they're really cracked. So I think... um, there's a lot more to learn about the re- repair economy. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot more going on than we're potentially aware of. And we need to think about like wh- what time we're willing to put in and what, you know, and, and, you know, what kind of repair we're looking for. So anyway. And the fact that mm-hmm. it can work in fairly central London means it can work anywhere. I would, I mean, I would think so. So, yeah. um, but the, the issue again is the access to spare parts. It's like, um, it's also, I guess, a lot of businesses focus only on Apple products because there's slightly less of a learning curve. Like they can just learn, you know, let's say a dozen products and they don't have to learn every single PC assembly and everything. But anyway, so that's something that I really um, appreciated. And I think everyone and should look out for the Steve the Spin Doctors or this um, this business was called Mind the Mac, yeah, in uh, in Swiss Cottage. So let's get let's move on to Steve the Spin Doctor and what he had to tell us about being, uh, yeah, a professional and everything, all the challenges he faces. Yeah, just uh, to say we had a very exciting, inspiring chat with him, uh, discussing in detail some of the implications of the new eco-design regulations that have just been passed and that we campaign heavily for in the last few months. And the main thing, the rest you'll learn listening to his interview, but the main thing is for the first time there is indeed 
um, a bit of the right to repair in legislation at European level, which means that the design of products will have to make products easier to repair to an extent, and that professional repairers will have more guaranteed access to a number of spare parts and the repair information manuals from manufacturers directly. That's more than it's ever been the case. Uh, so that's really positive. Although we have strong concerns about what about um, restart parties, organizers, what about repair cafes, what about independent DIY people who want to repair and often they can't go to a mm. professional person. But anyway, we'll learn more. Uh, we'll learn all about the caveats from, yes. from Steve. So. Okay, here goes. Hi, Steve. Uh, welcome back on Restart Radio. We've been looking at the regulations with you and you don't seem particularly impressed with them. <laughs> it's not exactly, no. So, um, looking at them, um, you know, we were quite impressed that for the first time uh, a number of spare parts will have to be made available mm -hmm. uh, to professional repairers, at yep. least. Uh, for at least seven or ten years after a product runs out of, well, gets out of the market. Yeah. Um, is this any different from what you are experiencing right now? Um, not exactly. It's more about the cost. Uh, so one of the examples is that for washing machines, the bearings yes. is what fails. Yes. quite frequently yep. and in the new regulation manufacturers are required to make them available for yes. at least 10 years right. after they take the Ma machine out of uh, the market however there is a massive caveat yes. which is that they're not required to make them available separately but they could be bundled together with the whole washing machine drum right and um, washing machines in the early 2000s I could do a bearing change within the hour. So I could charge a sensible call-out charge and labour charge. The parts would be 20 quid. Done and dusted, move on. Now, 193 pounds for the drum and tub. And it would take me probably three or four hours to do the job. I can't charge a four hour call-out or labour charge to a customer because that would cover more than they paid for the machine. So it doesn't matter these parts are available, who's going to afford to buy them in the first place? One other aspect that we thought was a positive step mm -hmm. is the fact that now printed circuit boards yeah. uh, will be, again, available yeah. and required by the manufacturer. Yes. And I guess they will come most likely with more warranty on the part if you are buying it as a professional. Well, this is, this is the problem. If I bought, as an independent engineer, if I buy a circuit board, it does not come with a warranty. If I open the box and it's in a sealed special box, once I open that box, it does not have a warranty. I, if it fails, I can't send it back. What would you have liked to see from in terms of boards availability in a regulation um, like the old range of Zanussi machines you had one board that fitted the whole range it was 90 quid I could fit it and program it using a binary code for that model done 
Now you have to order the exact board with the exact production number or PNC number and it has to calibrate with that serial number. So it comes from Italy or Germany or wherever it's coming from. You can't just off the shelf it and get one. So more modularity yeah. would really help in this case. Exactly. They, you know, they should just send you a board for this range for this year with an instruction kit. There's little tabs that you can press up and down to calibrate it to that machine. And you know, everybody should be able to fit it. It's not rocket science. They're not, you know, it should be a lot easier than it is. Have you come across um, situations where failing of software in a machine has been a problem that now the availability of software potentially could help fix? Not, not so much. Not so much. I think the actual software side of the machines is a lot better than it used to be. Looking at uh, dishwashers, mm -hmm. we saw that another case for parts that are not necessarily going to be available one by one, but yeah. they'll be bundled, yeah. is heaters and heating elements, including heat pumps. You see this as a major issue. Can yes. you explain why? All dishwashers sold now do not have an independent heater. I've been fitting, in, in fitting heaters in dishwashers for 22 years. The heater costs about £40, so to the customer you're looking at a £75 job all in. Happy days, everyone's happy. Now they use a heat pump and people use all-in-one tablets. There is not enough salt in the tablet to keep the heat pump from scaling up. As soon as that heat pump scales up, it overheats, compensating for the scale, pops the heat pump and they cost between £100 and £290. It's not an economical repair on a dishwasher that was 250 quid. Right, so the problem is that most brands do not provide a modular part where you could just substitute the, the pump. Exactly. Um, hot point, you still can change the heater independently, but Bosch, Electrolux, Bico, Whirlpool, all of the others, they all use the heat pump, which is ridiculously overpriced because you're changing the entire motor just for the fact that the element side is blown. You don't need to change the motor. There's nothing wrong with the motor, but you end up throwing it away because you have to change the whole thing. What would you have liked to see in that Just respect? go back to an independent heater. Washing machine still has them. There's a reason they kept them going because they're amazing. It's a cheap part to replace. That's what you want. Right. And so what should people do? You mentioned the use of tablets. Uh, oh, yeah. All-in-one is problematic. Should yes. we just all avoid them? Well, they use all-in-one tablets, but you still need to put salt in the salt container. If you buy a packet of finished tablets and it says all-in-one max, it doesn't say, oh, if you have a heat pump dishwasher, you need to put salt in, the, in these tablets. You're listening to Restart Radio on 104.4 um, FM, Resonance, and we're listening to some quite interesting insights from Steve the Spin Doctor about appliance spare parts and best practices. One major uh, point that we are happy to see in legislation is that for the first time, manufacturers will be required to make 
machines like dishwashers, washing machines, fridges, and televisions yes. easier to disassemble. Yeah. So in order to access all of the parts that mm -hmm. are listed as required to be provided for a long period of time, yeah. you wouldn't need to use proprietary tools or specialist tools, but yeah. just regularly common tools available to everyone. Yeah. Uh, do you think this is a positive step? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you know, they started this with Torx nuts, Torx bolts. Every machine was built with a Phillips head years ago. Then they started put, putting in the security nuts. So, but then stop, shops started selling kits. So people started fixing things themselves again. But what they're doing is they're making parts in machines in plastic housing that's glued that you can't even take apart to inspect and see what's actually gone. You just have to replace it. Um, but they don't want you to fix the thing themselves. They want you to call them in. Well, for the first time, uh, actually, it's, they're required to supply all of this and to provide the design, obviously, uh, yeah. to everyone. But not just uh, supply authorized repairs, but also independent repairs, yeah. professional repairs, in fact, um, such as yourselves. So in a way, yeah. that is definitely a step forward. I mean, there, there, is, there is a safety aspect to it, because obviously you don't want somebody that's got no electrical safety skills opening up an, an appliance and then having a go and then getting shock. You know, so there is the safety side of it. But you know, if a belt breaks on a washing machine, comes off because the pulleys come loose, the, you know, the man of the house should be able, the woman, should be able to just open it up and change that belt. You know, they just shouldn't need specialist tools. Yeah. Um, yeah so that's a positive step. Yeah, def absolutely. Yeah. Do you think it will help your work as well? It will make, we'll make it, it easier. faster. Yeah, it make it easier. Um, you need, with, with Samsung and LG washing machines, um, you cannot change the door seal, impossible, without a special tool. And it's a pair of pliers that's cost me 120 pounds. <laughs> and it's just a pair of pliers. I but think that will have to change as a yeah, result of the you, you, It's absolutely impossible to change that seal without these pliers. Well, that's positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the contentious issues is that uh, for accessing both the spare parts mm -hmm. and repair information. Yes. Uh, professional repairs will have to wait two yeah. years since the release of a new model into right. the market. And that might be problematic for you. Um, I think, I don't, I don't think it is a problem for me because we have that amazing thing called the internet and people talk. <laughs> so if, you know, I, I get asked on a daily basis technical advice from people all over the world because of Instagram and Twitter and things. So I'm always having people in Chicago, or oh, I'm at a Samsung washing machine, it's not doing this. And I just look on my phone, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's error E4, that means the solenoid's gone. How do you access diagnostic information at the moment? It will be a, a, a friend who will work for a manufacturer. <laughs> and I just call him and say, oh, how'd you get into diagnostics on this? And he'll be like, oh, press this button, this button, one click to the right and you're in. Um, so in the future, um, you, allegedly won't have to do that no. in the sense that you'll be able to request that directly to yeah. a manufacturer. Yes, which make my life a lot easier. And in terms of uh, uh, the distinction between 
professionals and everyone else. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you you mention safety as an yes, issue, massively, um, massively important. But do you think that restricting access to all of these spare parts just to professionals is the best way to take care of? I, that? I, 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 that is a really good point, and I, I I do talk about this a lot because I will get phone calls every day from somebody that's trying to repair the machine themselves, and the first thing I'll say is, "Have you unplugged it?" And like, "No, I can't find the plug." Just get away from that machine immediately. Luckily, because most houses have very good trip switches, the earth resistance is amazing, so it will trip. But you can still get a big shock. Um, it really depends on the parts you're fitting. If you're, if you're changing something mechanical, as long as you've pulled that plug out, I always tell everybody, put the plug over your shoulder. You then know it's definitely dead. Don't just unplug it, put it on the floor, put it over your shoulder, because you could have pulled out the wrong plug. I've, I've learned the hard way. So changing mechanical parts, not so much, but changing a heating element or a motor, you know, you've got to make sure that machine's off because you will get a shock. But, you know, door handles, door seals, not so much. So according to the EU regulation, yeah. uh, manufacturers will have up to 15 working days yeah. to provide oh, you yes. with a spare part right. in case you need it. Does that mean that you might end up buying third-party parts instead or that some repairs will simply not be feasible of as a result? Of course, a customer can't wait 15 days. Three kids and three kids and school uniforms to wash. They can't wait 15 days for a repair. By the way, 15 working days, which can mean technically well, yeah, exactly. three weeks. It could be three weeks, exactly. So there is a chance that this is a measure in place just to cater for very special yes. circumstances. Yeah, I think it's more for the manufacturers when they're doing things under warranty. As we were following the, the campaign for the right to repair, we noticed that there wasn't really a voice yeah. for the commercial repair sector, like yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's campaigners linked to the Restore Project, mm. the Repair Cafe movement, yeah. uh, uh, I fix it yeah. and environmental organizations, mm -hmm. but there wasn't specifically a voice for people like you who yeah. do this for a living. Yeah. Why do you think that is the case? I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't answer that. It's really. It's really strange. You would think there would be because this is a, this is affecting what people are spending. The, the biggest issue for me, and the biggest loss of earnings for me, is one hundred percent being the drum and bearings issue. I used to do 10 bearing changes a week and now I haven't done one in 10 years because it's just not economical to do so. And how can anyone try to prevent the bearings from going in their own machine? <laughs> um, obviously don't overload the machine. Probably underload it by a third and you may get a bit longer out of your bearings. But I would say the, ba the main thing to do is to buy a machine with the smallest drum you can find. You, you've got a five kilogram to nine kilogram drum. Those drums all have the same size bearings in them. But the nine kilogram drum will have three times the weight in there because of the amount of water it needs to bring in. So those bearings are definitely going to fail within a couple of years. Whereas the five or six kilogram drum will go on for probably 15 years because it's not under that massive stress of having the big drum. 
And finally, anything else that you haven't seen in these provisions mm -hmm. that uh, we share with you that you would like us to focus on for next round of campaigns around the right um, to repair? I, I think, and not, I'm not, not so much the right to repair, but I think there should be more given to the customer from the manufacturer about maintenance, daily care of your appliances. Customers aren't told anything anymore. You know, I go, I would say about 90% of the dishwashers I repair are cleaning and maintenance. Not actually anything failing. I, I'm going to show you my washing machine here because you're going to like this one. That's how most people's washing machines look, yeah? yeah? Where's the filter? You can't see it, can you? No. There's a filter that needs to be cleaned once a month. What happens if that's blocked? E20, doesn't drain, won't spin. They call me out. Have you cleaned the filter? What filter? No one told me that. <laughs> That's how I spend my life. You've been listening to Steve the Spin Doctor talking to us about um, appliances, spare parts, repairs, and all things related. Um, if you need help with something that's not as large as an appliance, we have upcoming restart parties. Bring something with a battery or a plug. We've got one on February 23rd in Hackney Wick with Hackney Fixers. And you can find out more about the Restart Project at therestartproject.org or find us on social media. Until next month. Bye.